Hello everyone, welcome to Small Talk, the podcast show dedicated to talking to fascinating people from the arts and entertainment world. Everyone from musicians to comedians, brought to you by The Curve Magazine. I'm your host, Erin Collades. My guest today is Tommy Brennan, a comic from Minnesota who's been doing stand-up now for about five years. Uh, Now he regularly performs at big comedy clubs such as The Laugh Factory, Zanies, and the Chicago Improv. Aside from his stand-up, you might know Tommy from his web and podcast show Roommates in Law, which he created with another comic, uh, who's also his friend, Tim Smith. Our conversation was really interesting. We touched on a lot of different things. We talked about how Tommy got into comedy, what his worst gig has been, and how he deals with hecklers. We also discussed his relationship with the legendary comedian Louis Anderson, who unfortunately passed away last year. And we we talked about how they met and how Louis was really down to earth and humble and, you know, eventually became Tommy's mentor. It was just a really great, honest discussion, and I, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for uh, for joining me and agreeing to do this. Has your day been okay so far, or has it been pretty busy? Uh, pretty chaotic. I'm, I'm running around New York City. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a busy week, but uh, but we're good. Yeah, we're, we're doing well. Okay, good. Okay, so you've been doing comedy for how long now? About you started back in 2017 or earlier? Yeah, yes. So about about five or six years, I guess. You know, counting the the pandemic though, it was uh, you know about a full year off. So you know, made the switch to Zoom. Over the pandemic a little bit, and then uh, and then back back to to real life. Yeah. So so you're a Zoom pro by now. Yeah, I've been <laughs> on too many. I, yeah. I stopped doing the shows uh, eventually. I, I couldn't I couldn't keep doing them. But uh, yeah, then we we had to try that for a little bit. And um, did you always know you wanted to go into comedy, or how did that come about? Oh, I mean, definitely not. I, like I. Uh, I think that would be uh, that would be crazy for me to say. I always loved uh, performing for sure. Grew up like a musical theater kid, um, big family, one of eight kids. All my sisters, we all did like plays and stuff growing up. I loved that so much, and I did it through high school. But then I dropped it going to college because I just thought that it was, you know, like that wasn't uh, that wasn't a real thing that I was going to do any sort of performing. And then after graduation, I was I was starting a normal corporate sales job and was just so bored out of my mind, and uh, and decided to to go try doing some improv and stand up in Chicago. And uh, it would I thought it was just going to be a hobby, something to keep me busy, and I just kind of fell in love with it right away. And uh, yeah, there's no looking back really since then. Were you always that like funny kid, or like when did you realize? Okay, I can act and everything, but I'm also going to bring humor into this. Like, I'm I'm, I'm a pretty funny person. You know, I was a uh, I was an attention grabber. Like, I, I was definitely uh, I was definitely uh, like an attention whore as a kid. So I don't know. I don't know if that. But I wasn't like the. I wasn't always like the funny guy, though. I think uh, I forget who it is who has the quote. It might be like Colin Quinn. Says like the comedian isn't the class clown. It's the it's the person who puts the class clown up to it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the guy who streaks on the field. It's the guy who convinces them to do it. Mm. Um, and it's like, I would say I played more of that role. Um, I wasn't necessarily like, I wasn't the kid like, you know, making fart noises in class and that kind of stuff. Like it was, but I really loved being the center of attention. I really loved performing. Like I really loved like school plays and everything like that. And I love like the, um, I honestly love like all live entertainment and that, that has been true for as long as I can remember. There was something about just like seeing any sort of show I, w- I was in. I-, I would love to, you know, I loved going to stuff like that because it was just, I don't know. I think a piece of me knew like I got to be doing something like that. You have to have people watching you. <laughs> yeah. Perform. It's like, it's, it's yeah. often. It's kind of like, uh, this is so cheesy to say, not like a love language, but it's like, I, I do better uh, in front of, uh, you know, a crowd than I do one-on-one, you know? So it's like, it's, it's weird. Um, there's that performance aspect that, yeah, that I really, really have always loved. Well, I was, I was going to ask you this a bit later on, but um, we can talk about it now. Um, do you think uh, stand-up comedy is a form of acting? Because... For sure. Yeah, because, but I mean, I guess... Since you're also getting like a live audience reaction, you know, you're not just always sticking to your script per se, but yeah, for you, it's, it's a form of acting. Well, it's, there's an element of it in there. Of course, like there's a reason why it's like stand-up comics, we all call it our act, mm-hmm. you know, the act that we do on stage. Cause it is, there, it is an act. Like it's a lot more, it's a lot less scripted than, um, you know, like doing a play. Yeah. Um, but but it is like, it is pretty scripted and, uh, you know, you, you of course react to what's happening, but like also a lot of, it depends on the comic. Some comics are pretty dry, just set up punchline. It's pretty mm. spoken. It's mm. not a lot of act. A lot of comics are fully reliant on like acting out a bit. Um, so it kind of depends on, on the person too, I guess. But for me, like there's definitely some acting required, um, like, like in my act, but it's nothing crazy. But yeah, it's you're doing a, 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 a version of yourself up there. And um, so then would you consider yourself an actor or a comedian first? Comedian, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But was was your dream and maybe is your dream still in the back of your head to, to go back into acting full time? Because some people use comedy as a way to get into, you know, um, the transition into acting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, ideally, I would love a mix, a healthy mm. mix of the two for, mm. for like my whole career. Um, you know, acting is such a fun way. One, it's a fun way to pay the bills. Like it, it just in terms of time spent, the money made. If you if you get a couple good acting gigs, that's that's amazing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, and it's also a fun way to to uh, develop your fan base. Like if they can fall in love with you, you know, as an actor and a comedian and all this stuff, like that's just going to make them, you know, want more and more from you. So um, the acting can really help the stand-up. It can help, you know, sell tickets, help allow you to tour, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would love to do both from, like, the performance side. Yeah, I really miss, like, acting. So I do a lot of, like, sketch comedy and stuff like that, and that kind of scratch, scratches that itch. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely, down the road, want to want to get back into more acting. Well, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. Like, would you say you prefer doing sketch comedy or the stand-up more? If you had to pick one, if you could only do one. Stand-up, for sure. Okay. 
And that's that was kind of my original path into stand up. I was doing sketch comedy and improv first yeah. through through Second City, um, and uh, what I didn't love was the impatience of like like I was I was impatient with like you know relying on a group, relying on other people to like rehearse, you know, or go plan a show. All this stuff where like stand up, you can just go do it. You can go do it every night multiple times a night you know hit a bunch of open mics and that's how i started and uh yeah i I just really like the uh it's on it's on you like it's just it's as much it's it's what you can make it and now like no one can take that away so like if if i could only do one it's the easiest decision it would be stand up because it's like that's this skill that i've developed over the past six years that um yeah like not a lot of people have not not being like I'm I'm nothing crazy, but it's just uh, not a lot of people have done that, you know. So do you prefer to work alone as well? Um, yeah, I mean it depends on what it is. Mm. Uh, I love like like sketch comedy and stuff. Like I have I have a writing partner Tim Smith, he's another comic, and I love working with him because we just have a good chemistry. Mm. Working with new people is sometimes tough. Yeah. Uh, in comedy because you, you don't really get each other's sensibilities right away but um yeah i mean there's certain people that i love 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 like mm. writing with and well yeah you brought up tim smith so you guys have your podcast slash slash sketch show roommates in law um and that's been going for about two years now would you say or yeah i think back um, in, um 2020 yeah yeah, yeah the, the the podcast has been like a year and mm. some change. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then the mm. yeah the web series started about a year and a half before that. And so yeah, what was the um, inspiration behind that? That came out of being bored during the pandemic. Mm. Uh, Tim and I were both in Chicago. We lived like six blocks away from each other, and uh, we were both you know kind of locked down. And we just started. Um, we took like a virtual acting class together. And then we started just like riffing on some ideas that we could film something together. Um, you know, it was, the first idea was just one, just one sketch. Like we didn't have any, uh, you know, ideas of starting a web series right away. And then, um, and then that idea, you know, I, I would go over to his house and we'd just sit and, and talk and drink and riff and write for hours. And then, you know, we had a couple more ideas come up. And we were like, all right, let's film some of these, try to come up with a with a web series. And the first day that we shot, I think, or the first like couple of weeks, we shot like three or four of them and only used one of them because they were so bad at first. Like we just didn't know what we were doing. And uh, yeah, and then we just, we just kept working on it. We just had so much time. Mm. And that's why like the sketches have kind of fallen. Look, we, we don't do as many in, anymore. Um, we do them here and there. We do the podcast every week, but the sketches, we don't do as much because they're time consuming. And, uh, that was the beauty of the pandemic. And that was so, so horrible for, for most people. And it was bad overall, but like that was a huge silver lining was like, we got to just sit down and, and, and make something. Yeah. Um, and it was really great. And it kept you sane in some way. <laughs> for sure. It, yeah. it, it gave us like a, it gave us like a structure too of like, we would try to film something over the weekend and put it out by Tuesday, you know? So it was like, it was like a schedule. It was great. Yeah. And um, yeah, on a different subject, who would you say um, are your biggest comedic influences? 
like your favorite stand-up comics or comedians? Yeah. I mean, uh, John Mulaney for sure is like my, he's like my idol. Um, yeah. He, he is, I saw him live for the first time at like a pivotal moment where I had just started doing stand-up, but I was still mostly doing improv and sketch. And I just didn't know. I had a really big insecurity about starting stand-up when I, when I started that, like I didn't have a hard enough life to be a stand-up comedian. I had this illusion that like all stand-up comedians had horrific childhoods yep. and stuff like that. And seeing Mulaney at that time just make it would just come up with this hour of comedy that it's, it's now the, the kid gorgeous special on Netflix, but that hour of comedy um, just about his life and about his parents. And like, he, he had a good childhood and it was, I was like crying laughing and I was like, all right, you don't need to, you don't need to be some really messed up person to, to be able to do this. And uh, yeah, it kind of changed my perspective. So he, he's, he's like my number one guy. I mean, Mike Birbiglia, I love, um, and then like more people that are like, you know, huge now that, that kind of came up right as I was starting or like blew up. It was like Mark Norman, Joe List. Um, Joe List is like one of my favorite comics for sure. Uh, you know, uh, Sam Morrill, like, uh, those people, um, Taylor Tomlinson, I really, really love. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, Kelsey Cook is another one that I, I really love and I get to tour with her. Um, so on like a more attainable level, those are, those are my big influences. And, um, how do you come up with new material? Like what's your joke writing process like? Um, it's, uh, I wish I had more of a process. It's, um, it's a lot of just writing stuff down. I'll show you. It's, um. It's, it's just, I take a lot of, you know, things that happen to me and, and just, uh, try to make them. I'm not like a full on storyteller, but I do do a lot of, uh, stories. So like, this is, these are all ideas that oh. I haven't written out. Okay. And it's just like, that's just, I, I just, most of them are so dumb. <laughs> um, but it's just thoughts that I have. And then I sit down and then I pick like five of them and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to flush these out. And then you sit and you just have to force yourself to face that blank page and, and be like, we just got to write something down. Um, the hardest part for me is, is, is that, is mm. making myself sit down. The idea generation is easy. That happens on the go. You know, if you say something funny to a group of friends, you can write that down and be like, was that something that I could, you know, use later? Um, but yeah, sitting down and actually writing it out, that's the hard part. So you just write enough until you finally get something good. Yeah. And then, you you know, and then you've got what you think is good. And then you go try it at a show and you realize, you know, one line out of the 10 that you tried is good. Mm. So then you, and then you refine and then you're like, all right, this part is fine. We can keep that. Now, what else do I have to do to make that worth it? You know? Um, So it's on stages where you really figure it out, but you 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 have to go into it. Do you ever um, come up with new jokes on stage, like in the middle of a set, something will just pop up and you'll say it, or do you like to s- stick to your plan most of the time? No, I'm, I like I like staying pretty loose up there. I mean, I'm not coming up with anything, you know, genius up there, I don't think. But sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes a line will come out. Sometimes it's like this. Sometimes it's as simple as changing one or two words. Mm. And then you're like, all right, 
that's that's way better now. Um, and yeah, sometimes it'll just kind of come out that way on stage, or because the crowd reacted a certain way. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah, and because yeah, I figured you come from an improv background, so maybe you do like a looser kind of structure. Um, yeah. But and and was that transition hard? Like being the only person up there. But I guess since you love attention, no, because. <laughs> just more attention. Uh, yeah, I'm really I don't know. Was it like a huge uh, <laughs> attention grabber here? No, no. I guess. I mean, it's it's. I'm not, I'm like. I'm not like. I need to be the center of attention, but it mm-hmm. is. I've always liked that for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the, that part was not hard. Um, and it's more just like starting stand up is hard. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily like the transition from improv to stand up was hard because I kept doing both for a while. Um, I did improv until the pandemic, uh, right. and then and then I just didn't really pick it up on the second and the other end of it. But uh, yeah, I would say more so. It's just it's just hard starting stand up, especially with improv being the background. If if things don't go well in improv, it's fine because it's like, well, it was improv. Yeah, it's you know, part sometimes of the... it's bad. Mm. But like in stand up, it's more like, oh, you wrote that down and practiced it and thought that it was great. And then you said it in front of people and realized it was bad. So that, that's more so the, the harder adjustment is the, is bombing. So, well, yeah, what's, stand up is much harder. (laughs) What's, what's been the worst gig so far? Um, I was in Syracuse opening for Kelsey Cook, uh, last year and, uh, and the first show is a Friday, Saturday show, Friday show not great i got heckled a lot mm. and it was just like it's just not a fun show it's and not like fun heckles just like drunk idiot heckles um and then uh and then we end we get out of that show whatever it's fine and, and then we come back saturday and as i'm about to get brought on stage there's like over the loudspeaker there's like they're like there's an active shooter in the mall so you need to go on lockdown so we had to go on lockdown and like the club staff was so bad. They were like, they, they asked us if we still wanted to do the show. And like me and Kelsey were freaking out in the green room thinking there's like a, a person like shooting up the whole ball. It was ended up being like, it was like a drug deal gone wrong. Um. And like one guy just shot like his gun twice and didn't hit anyone, but we didn't hear anything. Like <laughs> all, all we heard was there's a shooter in the mall. You have to go on lockdown. So that was like, I left Syracuse being like, I don't know that I ever need to come back here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty bad. In terms of like, just legitimate bombing, I mean, I've had, oh, actually, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of an all timer. I, I got to play Talia Hall in Chicago, which is an iconic music venue. I've been to a bunch of shows there. It's like this beautiful old theater. And I got hired to do a corporate, uh, it's like a construction company's holiday party. And I was, I was, I had to do 20 minutes. Uh, and then the, and then the, the band, the X ambassadors were going to close it out. So I had to go up there, do 20 minutes and beforehand, I'm, I'm asking them, I'm like, Hey, are you going to like get people focused? Cause everyone's just walking around eating appetizers, talking to their coworkers, getting drinks. Like everyone's just getting hammered at the open bar. 
And I'm like, hey, are you gonna, uh, are you gonna do something about this? Like, kind of get their attention? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. By the time you're on stage, everyone will be focused. Everyone will be paying attention. And they weren't. I get, I get up there, and I'm just doing material to a cafeteria, basically. It's everyone just walking around. There's like a couple people looking over their shoulder, like, what, what is this guy doing on stage? And I'm up there doing my whole act to 350 people just walking around talking getting drinks it was really really horrific that, that does um, sound painful yeah 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 and then i got off stage and the ceo walked up to me and said hey thanks for doing this would you mind taking a picture of me and my wife <laughs> not not well, with um he handed me his phone and then posed with his wife and i was like i i need to get out of here oh my god and okay, so after after a gig like that, what what motivates you to keep going? To all right, I'm not gonna jump off the cliff just now. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, keep it's going. Tough. Well, you honestly, it's I went and I did another show right after, and that okay. that's what that's the that's what helps. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You go, you go, you get another show, and it kind of feels like washing it off. Right. It's like oh, Jesus Christ, I need to shake the yeah that off me. Right. So. Yeah, I I literally went straight to like Zany's Comedy Club in in Chicago and and just did a did a late night show there. And in general, do you have have you come up with any advice on how to deal with hecklers? Um, I think the easiest thing to think about. I don't even know who said it first, but I've heard this like advice from a few people. It's like one of us talks into a microphone every night, and one of us doesn't. Like odds are we are going to win this battle. It's just being patient. Like you can't like, don't like jump on them right away and try to, you know, be funny or whatever. It's like, let them say something so stupid that you, that you can then like destroy them. So it's like, I, I always try to, and I don't do this every time, but I try to like ask a couple questions. You know, if someone's really heckling, you just find out, what their deal is because clearly something else is going on yeah so like you're like you know you just say it what do you what's your name where are you from what do you do for work what's what what brought you out tonight what do you why why did you decide to this was a good time for you to chime in and odds are they're going to say something stupid if you just ask them enough questions so it's like staying calm and just knowing that like you're going to win this battle you have a microphone and you have the club staff on your side. You know, worst case scenario, you can say, "Hey, can, can they? Can you kick them out?" Right. You know. Right. Yeah. And um, okay, let's talk about Louis Anderson. Yeah, I'm sure you get asked about that a lot. Um, but yeah, you you guys met when you were hosting for him back in 2019. Um, yeah. So yeah, like like what was at the Chicago Improv club yeah out Um, out in schaumburg illinois so yeah what was your first impression of him first impression of louis i was so scared uh so he's i mean he's obviously one of the most famous comedians of all time um he's from minnesota exactly kids yeah yeah and i'm one of eight kids from minnesota so i think i honestly think that's why the booker uh put me on his weekend she she knew i was from a big family and she, I think she was like, you guys will get along. And, uh, and we did, but yeah, first impression was terrified. I, I, I walk into the club and they're like, they're like, the green room's over there. Louis in there. And 
and I didn't know if I could like go in. So I kind of went over and I stood by the door and then the door opened and Louis sees me through the door and he said something like, who, who is that? And, uh, and the club staff was like, Oh, that's the host for this weekend. And he's like, Oh, well, get in here. Why are you being, why are you being weird? You know, something like that. And I was like, well, sorry. I didn't know, you know, and he goes, uh, he goes, don't, don't apologize yet. Uh, or something like that. I go, I go, sorry, whatever. And he goes, uh, he goes, ah, oh, well, no, no, we'll see if you have to be sorry once after, after you're set, something like that. Mm-hmm. Basically saying like, don't apologize yet. And then he goes, um, he just looks at me. I sat down. It's quiet in the green room. And he looks at me and he goes, are you funny? And I was like, oh, yeah, I think so. And he goes, don't, don't think so. You are just say, say you are. And I was like, okay, I am. And from that moment, like he had been, he was such a good mentor to me. It was, it was amazing. I feel so lucky all the time. And sometimes I forget how cool that was that I got to become friends with him at that point in his life. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it was a great, you know, four year friendship. And I think about him a lot. He was the best. What's, um, the best advice he gave you? Uh, write about yourself. Mm. He he used to make he used to make me do this thing um, where he would he would tell me to write like three pages just journaling. You just say pick a pick a time in your life or a memory or a year. Yeah, anything like just any starting point. Just grab some starting point and then just write. Stream of consciousness. Just write. For I mean, I have a I have a word document that's like. 60 pages long that's just called Louis thing. And it's, it's, it's just random memories that I then write like two or three pages about. And then he would, he would, would have me, we would hop on the phone and I'll read through it with him. And he'd be like, that's funny. That's funny. That you should talk about that, that. So it's just his biggest thing was always just like, write about yourself, write about your life. You don't need to try to be topical all the time. You know, sure, it's great having a joke about what's happening in the news right now, but a joke about your family or yourself, that's like timeless and no one else can touch it. Um, no one else can tell it either. Um, so he, that was, that was his big thing. That and bomb. He always used to just say, you need to be bombing more. Tommy, you're not bombing enough. You're not bombing enough. He always used to tell me that because he was a firm believer that. Like, if you weren't bombing enough, you weren't trying enough new stuff. Mm, mm. You're not taking enough risk, in, in some sense. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, also, did I, you're one of eight kids? Because mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a family of four kids. I think that's way too much. But, like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, that's, yeah. How how do you deal? Like, what? How, how do you keep up with? It was, uh... <laughs> It was a lot. It was so fun, though. I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, um, it's, uh, you know, it was chaotic for sure. It's probably why I I love attention just because I was probably fighting for it as a kid. Um, But uh, it it was just like, I don't know. It's weird when you're like, was it weird? Because I'm like, I didn't know. I don't know any other uh, Mm. life. But it was um, it was a blast. Like, my parents are nuts for having eight kids for sure. But then, um, but they're like some some of my best friends, you know. But then, when you meet like only only children, like does that freak you out? That always freaks me out because it's like you don't. Do you know how to share? I always just think about to, like yeah. 
what did you do? Yeah. Were you just like bored all the time? Yes. Yeah. 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 And, um, oh, okay. Let's talk about the Laugh Factory. Um, when you won their Verified Laughs competition, um, did that feel like your first kind of lucky break or like, like what was that moment I, like for I, you? It felt like it. I, okay. I thought that was a much bigger deal than it ended up being, okay. um, if I'm being honest. All right. I mean, when, when you're brand new, you have a lot of moments like this. Yes. The first time you get asked to, you know, work it. I mean, when I first worked with Louie, I was like, this is the rest yeah. of my career. It's starting right now. Um, but the, yeah, the Lab Factory, uh, I mean, they, they were amazing to me. But yeah, it was like a weekly competition. And if you win that, you get to do the monthly. I won the monthly. It's, it was very fun. But I definitely thought after I won the monthly one, I was like, wow, this is it. They're mm-hmm. going to they're gonna make me a paid regular right away. And that wasn't the case. It took a really long time. Um, but that was cool. That was like a... That was in early on, you know, right when you're starting something like this, you're looking for those moments of validation of like, of like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not insane for doing this. Right. Like I am, I'm decent at this. And and that was a big one. The Louie weekend was a big one because like you spend, you know, before that I had, I had a year or two of like just doing really bad open mics and shitty bar shows and like stuff like that where you're like, I might be fully insane for, for spending this much time on this. And then, and then you look for those moments. So yeah, that the verified last competition was, uh, that was an early one that I was like, okay, good. Something is going well. Here. Yeah. It gives, it's a sign. It's a hopeful sign to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Back to Louis, just like, you know how he had such a terrible childhood and he, do you yeah. a lot from that? Did you ever ask him about that? Like, like, cause you said like, that was one of your biggest fears when you were, um, starting out, you were like, do I have enough yeah. like to work with here? Yeah. Did you ever ask him <clears throat> yeah. about that? Yeah. We did talk about that a little bit, especially later in life. He really changed his material. Um, and his last like hour that he was doing, it was kind of a love letter to his parents, um, about like, especially his mom and his mom was incredible. It, it was about like, you know, all that stuff, obviously, you know, it was basically about like forgiving his dad and stuff like that and figuring out how to still make that funny while acknowledging like how brutal his dad was to him as a kid. And, uh, yeah, we would, we would talk about that a lot comparing and contrasting, like, you know, I have a lot of jokes about like my dad, but it's like in such a lighter, uh, manner, you know? Um, but going back to what his, overall lesson was which is like right what you know right what's real to you he didn't care that my problems were much smaller than his when i was a kid you know like he's like that's fine just you need to write about it though because it's you it'd be weirder if you like made up some weird terrible thing that happened he's like i talk about alcoholism because that was what ruined my family you know but like you don't have to do that (laughs) you know it's like you just write what what's real to you so, yeah, he was always huge with, with that stuff. And, and yeah, you always hear um, when comedians are giving interviews, you know, you they say something along the lines of, you know, um, comedy is truth. So w- would you agree with that? Because, like, deep down, like, the audience will know somehow if you're lying or you're over-exaggerating or w- w- what do you think about that? I mean, there's, everyone's, like, everyone's, like, uh, not 
not lying, but like you, you stretch the truth or you combine right. truths or you, you know, like if something happened to someone else, now it happened to you. Or like if something, you know, it's just like you, you have to make the story just good and the jokes good. So like, yeah, I would say it's always rooted in truth. Mm. And then it's like, there's adjustments made that need to be made because it needs to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Embellishments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Embellishment is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, is there any like upcoming shows or projects you're working on that, that we should know about? Like I've got, I've got, uh, my first like consistent headlining dates coming out. Okay. Um, cause I, I tour a lot, uh, with, I opened for Kelsey Cook and Becky Robinson, um, on both their tours. So check out those, their, their tour dates. Um, I'm on like every single date with Kelsey. So, uh, I think that's like KelseyCookComedy.com. And then my headlining dates are at SomeKidTommy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I, I'm in Austin, uh, headlining the Velveeta Room February 3rd and 4th. I'm headlining Zany Chicago in April. I'm headlining Minneapolis in March. Just, uh, yeah, check out my website for, for those for tickets. I'm okay. see a live show. Okay. And listen to Roommates in Law, the podcast. Yes. Great. Well, yeah. Again, thanks thanks for your time and um hope you have a great day. You're in New York, so that's always fun. Yeah. Are you doing a show today? Yeah, I'm doing uh I'm doing a few do like bar shows tonight in around Williamsburg. Um so should be should be fun trying to work on some stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Yeah. Alright, thanks, Sarah. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. This episode was produced by Aaron Calais, that's me, and edited by Susanna Borio. For more content on arts and entertainment, you can head to The Curve Magazine's website, thecurvemagazine.com, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with new episodes of Small Talk.